What we do with the Word of God matters. Matters. How we receive it, what we do with it, and how we apply it to our lives. Uh, This Word is very, very powerful. Um, It's alive and it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And so it means that when it does something in our life, it, it matters what we do with it. Now, today, what we're going to do together is we're going to cover the parable of the sower. It's found in Matthew chapter 13. And the way that the sermon is kind of structured is that we hear the parable of the sower and then there's an interjection in the middle of it. And then Jesus actually explains to us what the parable of the sower is. And so we're going to read parts of scripture as we walk through it, but we're going to be covering uh, verses, I think one through 23, but we'll get through it. Okay. Now it's a big uh, portion of scripture, but, and, and uh, uh, someone said, I heard you going long today. (laughs) It's just because it's a long portion of scripture, man. I can't break it apart. At least I didn't want to break it apart. No, no, no. It's just longer than usual. Right. And I always say, if you have somewhere to go, come to the nine, you'll definitely be out by 11. Okay. Um, But, and I don't, I don't take that as a defense. It's fine. I felt like it was long this morning, but my wife, my wife, God bless her. She's like, it could have been longer. You give it to him, baby. I'm like, she doesn't care. She's deceived. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Now about this parable, this is what Jesus said in, in Mark. He said this to them. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, the the, the primacy, the the importance of understanding the parable that we are talking about today cannot be overstated. If Jesus says you cannot understand any other parables unless you understand this parable, then it would behoove us to say, okay, I want to understand this parable. Because if I don't understand this one, I'm not going to understand any other one. So if you're here this morning, you should like be leaning forward and saying, okay, I want to understand this parable. Um, So that means today I want you to remove distractions. I want you to internalize it. I want you to think as you're walking out of here, how do I apply this sermon to my life? Because based on the words of Jesus, your very soul is at stake. You must understand it. So let's get into it. Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start off just by covering verses 1 through 8. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Verse 3, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's you. If you have ears, hear. Now we're going to, we're going to get into the full meaning of this scripture in a moment. It's later. Jesus explains it to us himself, but, but I want to give you a sneak peek. And here's the sneak peek is that God is the sower and the seed is the word of God and the earth is our hearts. That that's the word picture that Jesus is trying to describe here. God is the sower. The seed is the word of God and the word of God is our hearts. God's only tool is the word of God. Everything he does, he does through his word. The sower is God. He's, he's scattering the seed daily and Satan is doing everything he can to snatch that seed up. Satan does not want that seed to get down into your heart. And the ground is you. The ground determines all the results of the sowing. So as, as the word of God is going out, and even right now, the word of God is being preached. The, the scriptures are going forth. And, and so the reception of it is based on where your heart is at to be able to receive that word in your heart. So your job from this sermon and in your life is to make sure that you're good ground to receive the word so that you don't end up like the bad ground, yeah. right? And anybody, anybody who's done any planting, whether it was the bean plant when you were in, uh, you know, preschool or whether you've been a full blown farmer, anybody will tell you soil preparation is paramount, bad soil, bad crop. 
If you've got a good soil, you get a good crop. And so the, the, the place that's going to have the best results, have a good crop of what God is trying to do, it starts in our hearts. Amen? This is what Isaiah 55, 11 says. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. This is God speaking. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Whether God's word is going to prosper or not has nothing to do with you. God's word is going to prosper because his word is going to go forth and it's going to do what it intended to do. Now, whether or not you're on the Jesus train or whether you're on that train bound for glory is dependent on whether or not you're going to receive that word in your heart and allow it to change you. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 13, I want to explain this about the parables. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, and this is part of the story. So we're talking about context. It says, and the disciples came to him, Jesus said, man, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given and to he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of his people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing their eyes. They have closed lest they should see with their eyes and they should hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and to not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, what's going on here? You've got the disciples of Jesus, the ones that are following Jesus and they're right there. Now the story of us, the story of our faith starts in Genesis. God called a people. Those people were called Israel. And from the beginning of time, God was moving these people, Israel, as his own people. And they were going to have a king. That king was Jesus. And so in this moment, the disciples are talking to Jesus and and they're like, why do you talk to us in parables? And Jesus says, okay, you understand, but these Jewish people around you do not understand because they haven't received me as Messiah. So what they have as God's chosen people is going to be taken from them and given to you because you are hearing. And because they're unwilling to listen, because they're unwilling to understand, they're going to have less and you're going to have more. And then he uses the example and says, this is actually a prophecy that was prophesied in Isaiah that said that the people of Israel were going to, a lot of them, reject Jesus as Messiah. And so they weren't going to be able to receive what Messiah Jesus was speaking to them. That's the first part of that portion of scripture is that prophecy fulfilled part of part of what the book of Matthew attempts to do is to show that Jesus is Messiah to show that he's the one. And so the way that Matthew does that is he's always connecting it to Old Testament scriptures to prove to the Jewish readers, Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one. And, and so that prophecy is quoted in Isaiah chapter six, verse nine. It says, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive, which is to say from Jesus, I'm going to be speaking this stuff, but frankly, there's just some people that aren't going to understand it. They're just not, they're dull of hearing. I mean, in the old Testament, you, you see many times where God talks about people being hard hearted, uh, or, or their minds are seared or whatever, because they're unable to receive what God is trying to do in their lives. Um, now here's the second part, the second part of it. So it's prophecy fulfilled. And the other part that Jesus is saying is that he's saying, when I use a parable, it's actually a judgment upon them that they can't understand it because they're in sin because of their unbelief. If they refuse to receive Jesus as savior, Jesus says, well, then I'm just going to speak in code to the people that actually believe my Messiah. And that's the judgment on them that they're not even going to be able to understand it. They're not going to even be able to make it to heaven. They're not going to be able to understand it because their minds have been seared. So he's actually pronouncing judgment on them and saying, you don't understand. They're say, he's saying, you, know what? you don't understand because you don't believe in me. And because you don't believe in me, you're never going to understand. And, and really what that says is that God's judgment is upon those that reject the message of Jesus. If you, if you refuse to accept that Jesus is Messiah, God says, okay, well, then you're not even going to be uh, able to understand what Jesus is saying. 
So what, what, what that all means is that these people have the ability to hear and understand. They just don't have the willingness to apply it to actually grow in their acceptance of Jesus. And so Jesus refuses to plainly speak to them. He says, you know, man, you can just be confused until you're ready to receive it. Because once you actually receive me as Messiah, then you're going to be able to understand it. And, and, and I know in my own life, which isn't the end all be all of experience never trumps. I'm just telling you from where I'm at. I never understood the Bible until I gave my life to Jesus. It, it was gobbledygook to me, man. It made no sense. And that's why I will tell you guys that to an unsaved person, the only message they can receive is Jesus Christ and him crucified. They they can't receive all the deep things of God because their mind doesn't understand. I know at 15 years old, when I became a Christian, my Bible became alive to me. I I went up and I gave my life to Jesus. I said, I want to be saved. I want to live for Jesus. And then all of a sudden I opened up this Bible and it became alive. I understood deep things of God at 15, much more than somebody who had been a Christian for many years who had never given their lives to Jesus. That's why I believe that a saved person can understand more about the Bible than somebody who just studies it for what it is. Give me the person that doesn't have a high school education that's saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and let them tell me about the deep things of God. I don't need someone who's not saved that's gone to school for a hundred years tell me what the word of God is trying to say because God does not speak to those people. The Bible is not intended for them. It was intended for those who have the, the willingness to receive what Jesus is saying. He says in verse 14, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and lest they should understand with their hearts and turn that I should heal them. If they would just open their eyes and open their ears and and hear what he's saying, they would actually follow Jesus as Messiah. But people are are so obtuse, man. They just refuse, even though they hear it and they see it and they know it. They say, well, I choose to not understand. I choose to not listen. I have eyes, but I refuse to see it. I have ears, but I refuse to listen to it. But he has, Jesus has this encouragement to those who are willing to hear in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for assuredly, assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and they didn't see it and to hear what you hear and they did not hear it. So he says, there's many people before me that would have wished they could have heard what you heard. Many people that wish they could have seen what you saw, but they didn't see it here. Here's what I want you to do right now. Okay. Go along with me, please. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Don't look at me. I'll call you out. Do you want to know what Jesus is saying to you? Do do you really want to understand what he's trying to do in your heart? Then you just pray. Right now, quietly, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm open to what you want to say. Lord, make my ears open, my mind open, and my heart able to receive what you're about to speak to me. He'll answer that prayer. Open your eyes. It's like this. Have you ever been in a situation when someone's trying to explain to you how to do something, but you act dumb, so they'll just do it for you? Have you guys ever done this before? I, I can admit it. I, I've done this many times. My wife will tell you I do it oftentimes. <laughs> I can't find it. I looked. I don't know how to use this. So I said, it's not that hard. You just this. <laughs> right? You invite someone over to help you fix something on your house. And they're like, well, it's not that hard. You just start, oh, yes, please show me. No, no willingness actually to uh, learn, right? You just want it done. And so you play dumb. You're just like, you could figure it out how to do it yourself, but you'd much rather just act dumb so that that person get frustrated and do it for you themselves. Or have you ever had somebody try to explain something to you in detail? You have no interest in learning. So you act like you're listening, but you're really just letting them talk. You're listening, but not learning. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the pest control guy was at our house because we've got mice around and bugs and all of it. So 
I, they come to the door and they knock and they say, hey, today's, uh, today's your monthly thing. I'm like, great, man, thanks. Gates are on the side, help yourself. And then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. You know your mice. You know what's going on. And I'm like, no, I, I don't. Um, and he goes, well, the way that mice are, and he goes into like this 15-minute <laughs> diatribe of the structure of my house and the mice, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, they're looking at the guy like, bro, I love you, but I'm... I'm busy. I'm doing stuff here. I don't, I don't need, I pay you so I don't have to learn about pest control. Bugs gone, no my sin. Can you do that? That's it. That's it. I, don't need, I don't care if you use lasers. Just get them out of my house. <laughs> Listening, but not hearing. Unwilling to learn. That's how, and, and the application is, it's the same thing. When you sit here and the word is going forth, you can play on your phone, you can plan your day, you can plan your week, you can be thinking about something else, you can let your mind go anywhere else, or you can say, you know what, the spirit of the living God is in this room right now, God is trying to speak something directly to me, and I don't want to miss what God is saying to me. And that's on you. I, 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 you guys just lucked out that I'm that entertaining, honestly. I don't mean to be, inter- I'm not trying to entertain you. I just happen to be entertaining. But, but it's on you. Like I know I, 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 I'm, I'm theatrical and loud because that's just kind of the way God wired me. But I mean, I could, I could just be like, therefore hear the parable of the sower. Anyone hears the word of the kingdom? It's no less true. It's not, I mean, I mean, praise God that, you know, you guys go to church where I at least try to keep you awake. But, 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 but it's, you know, it's the word, man. And so you, you have a choice of like, okay, am I going to be prepared to hear God's word? Am I going to clear the distractions from my mind? Am I going to do whatever it takes because I know that God is speaking into my life and I need to understand it. I need to learn it. I need God to speak into my life. So, so let's hear the explanation of the sower, which isn't the end of the sermon. We haven't even gotten into the sermon yet. Remember, it's going to be long. Matthew 13. The, the, my Bible says the parable of the sower explained. Perfect. Tell us, Jesus. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, anyone, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. That that, that means that your heart is not able to receive it. And so immediately the word comes. You might sit here and it just, it goes over your head. And you're just like, I don't even understand. Because Satan has already pulled it out because of your wayside heart. But he received the seed on stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, that's good, pastor. But he has no root in himself. So he endures only for a while. And then when problems, tribulation, and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And then the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So we're going to talk about these four hearts. The first heart is the wayward heart. Verse 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Now, the, the, the description of this is, is quite simple if you understand uh, uh, old agrarian society. I was never a farmer. Many of you have been one as well. But if, if you've ever driven by a field, you'll see that there's rows. And the reason why there's rows is because you can get a higher yield from the crop by planting it correctly. And so there's a place on the, on the side of the crops where you walk next to the road and you plant the, or, or next to the row where you plant the seed. That part is is like hard because it's been tamped down. And because it's been tamped down, if you throw a seed on there, it can't, I mean, everybody went to preschool, right? The seed has to be below the soil. And has so if it's just sitting on top of the soil, it's not going to do anything. And so in, in a planting scenario, those seeds are very easy for birds to come and snatch up because they're not underneath the ground. And the word picture that Jesus uses 
is if your heart is hard and your heart is the tamped down deadpan wayside on the outside heart, the word will come and it'll lay on you, but then Satan's just going to come immediately. Satan snatches that word. It's not even able to take root because you are living on the edge of where it needs to be. You, you don't want to be on the edge. You want to be right in the center of what God is doing. You, if, if the agrarian example is what Jesus is intending, it doesn't say that we're stretching it too far to say you're not supposed to be there. You don't want to be on the outside. You don't want to be on the edge. You don't want to be on the trampled ground. You want to be in the rich center of the soil. You want to be in the place where you're going to have the greatest chance to grow. You want to be in the right proximity to receiving the word. Not on the edge, right in the center of what God is doing. Let, let, let me explain. There are some people that God gives over to a depraved mind that aren't going to receive God's word. This is very scary when you think about it, okay? So it, it, using the soil example, cultivated soil is easy to receive the, the seed. But the Bible makes it clear that there's some people that God is just like, you know what? I'm tamping that thing down and I've, I've given them options. I've given them too much and, and they're just not receiving it. So now their mind is seared. They're not even able to receive that at all. Romans 1:28. And even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. Debased means less quality. You have a less quality mind to do those things which are not fitting. You, you should be very, very concerned if, if you're sitting in here and you're, you're saying, and I'm talking and you're just like, wah, 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 and you don't understand a word I'm saying, your mind could be debased. Your mind could be seared. And if you care about going to heaven or hell, you should be crying out to God saying, God, please let me understand what this guy is saying. Please. I want to understand. I want, I want to grasp this. I don't want to miss what you're doing, God. And there's some other people that what happens is that this truth goes out and you immediately reject it because you have no intentions of listening to it. None. And for whatever reason, you, you look at me and you say, oh, well, you know, look at the way he dresses or, you know, the way he talks or his wife and her shoes and, you know, what they drive and where they live. Like people will use whatever excuse they have to not have to listen to what the word of God says. I could be up here wearing sweatpants and a tank top and, and you, someone would be, why won't he dress up? You dress up too much. Like, who do you think he's better than us? Like, you can't win for losing, man. That's just the way that people are. But the package is not the problem. The problem is your ability to receive what God's word says. To those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. When you come down here, and, and, and again, it's, it's, it might slightly be entertaining at times by accident. But the point is for the word to go forth and for you to receive it and change something about your life. But if you're not going to obey the truth, you're just going to obey unrighteousness. God says indignation and wrath. That's what you get. I mean, maybe it's not just understand. I get it, man. I'm, I'm sorry. There's parts of me. Here's a part of me you may not understand. I'm actually not that intelligent in some areas of my life. I, I'm very emotionally intelligent. I can grasp things when I read them. I don't have very good recall of, of like numbers and dates and places and times. I'm really good at remembering people's faces and stories, but some stuff is just like, I just, I'm just not wired that way, man. And so sometimes people call me and like, pastor, I was reading this thing. And then they assume like, you know, in second Kings chapter four, and I'm like, what does that say again? Hold on. I got to, got to look it up. I don't have an immediate recall of every chapter in the Bible. Crystal does. I don't. She remember what we ate for dinner on our first date. I'm like, we had a date? I don't remember. Because people are just different, man. And, and, and so there are deep things of God that sometimes people are like, man, tell me what this means. And I'm like, bro, I just don't know, man. I'm just not that deep. I just take God at his word and I follow him and I love him. Like, doesn't it bother you that you can't understand? I'm like, no, I just, I don't care. Like, well, whatever. My, my inability to understand it does not change that God's word is true. But some people just flat out reject simple things that don't take that much brain power to understand. The simple thing, forgive someone. Well, I don't know if I really agree with that. Love someone. I don't know if I agree with that. Give. Oh, I don't know if I agree with Serve. I don't know if I agree with that. Teach me a little bit more about the, come on, man. 
Stop sexual immorality. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. The Bible talks about applying the word to our lives. Hebrews 2.1, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Because frankly, that's what happens. It's what happens to all of us. In the sower in our lives, we hear the word, but if we don't apply it, it gets snatched up and then we just slowly drift away. If God has spoken something to me or to you, we have to immediately apply it to our lives. Because if not, Satan just comes in and goes, great, you're not going to apply that one. I'm going to take it and then slowly you're just going to drift away. It's going to slowly drift away. Why, why do people not believe me? Those who, do, if you do not apply the word of God to your life, you're going to drift away. Yeah. You're going to stop serving Jesus, man. Yeah. Christianity is going to become something you did once, yeah. a church you used to attend, yeah. used to read your Bible, used to listen to worship music. You just drift away because yeah. the word's intended to go down in your heart. And so if the word goes forth and you don't internalize it and apply it, it just stops having it, its effect. And, and where it comes in is through Satan. It's, it's those deceitful little seeds of doubt that can pull you away. He, he wants to get you away from Jesus so that you'll do his bidding. So you go out and do destruction. You'll go out and hurt people. Satan does not want you to follow Jesus. He does not want you to follow the word of God. And so he'll use whatever means necessary to get you to uh, think something else. That, that's why when people... People say, oh man, did you, did you see this show on the History Channel about the Bible? I'm like, no. They're like, are you going to watch it? I'm like, nope, not at all. Did you see this movie? Nope. Did you see this show? Nope. Did you read this book? Nope. Why won't you read it? Because I have no intentions of introducing any doubt in my mind about the Bible whatsoever. I just don't, man. People say, well, aren't you being single-minded? Don't you want a 360? No, I don't. I want to know what the Bible says and that's it. I'll just live that way. That's how I want to stand before God. I don't want some person with a... Do you know how bent those TV people are to get you to not serve God? I mean, and so they'll introduce any sort of doubt, whether it's true or not, just so you start to question like, oh, was the ark real? Oh, I watched this 10-part series starring Russell Crowe. It's narrated by Morgan Freeman. No way, dude. James 1.21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What that, what that means is that when you have meekness, you start with the position of this is for me, it's not for someone else. Meekness is an idea that says, I know that God's word needs to do something inside of me and I'm ready to receive it. When we get together on Sundays or Wednesdays, when I listen to other preaching, I'll sit here on a Wednesday night and listen to my wife or Kevin or Jay and they're preaching. And I'm literally, as they're preaching, I'm like, am I saved? Oh Lord, what part of my wicked heart needs to be changed? And it's not because I'm not secure in my salvation. It's because I internalize it. I take it into my mind and my ears. I let it come in and I root it around in my heart. I say, well, if there be any sin in me, Lord, get that thing out. Because I want my heart to line up with your word. And I'm not so perfect to think that the word can't preach into my own life. I'm not going to let that thing not do what it's supposed to do, which is able to save my soul. Friend, you got to purge the sin out of your life. And receive the word for what it is. And when you hear it, you say, I'm going to line my life up with that word right now. Right now. You're not going to fight it. You're going to, you're going to sit here and be like, oh my gosh, dude, I got to delete this app off my phone. I got to ask this person to marry me. I got to, I got to stop doing that today. I'm going to quit that job. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going another day without doing what God has asked me to do. Instead of arguing with the word in your mind and your heart, you just receive it. You just do what it says and receive the correction. Proverbs 7, 1 through 2, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. And I'll tell you, man, what a pleasure are God's commands. They help us to live, man. Amen. They help us to live. I mean, if I don't know what to do, I just do what God's word says. You know, I, I was, I was, this week I was praying and I was talking to the Lord, and I was just thanking him for fathering me. I was thanking him for leading me, for teaching me what it meant to be a man, teach me what it meant to lead my family, that, that what a gift he has, word has been to me. For a young man that had no direction and didn't know what he was going to do with his life, God has fathered me and he's fathered me through his word. But you have to receive it with faith, man. You got to believe it. 
You, you've got to actually see the word and then you hear something. And even if you've got an issue or a problem with it, what you do is you say, you know what, man, I'm just going to believe that by faith. I don't really understand it. The, the dude seems to be really emphatic about it. It's written in God's word. I'll understand it one day, but I'm just going to be obedient to God's word. I'm just going to do what it says. Hebrews 4, 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So when the word goes forth, you have to receive it by faith and receiving it by faith means that you may not fully understand it or believe it. So I, and, and people say, oh, you're such a manipulator. I'm not manipulating. I'm sorry. I'm manipulating you to forgive and love people. Gosh, what a diabolical plan. You don't have to understand it all, man. If the Bible says forgive, I'm just going to forgive them. Amen. I'm supposed to love, I'll love. I'm supposed to give, I'll give. I'm supposed to serve, I'll serve. Amen. I'll just do it because that, that's what God says. Amen. Second heart, the rootless heart. The rootless heart, verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and he receives it with joy, but he has no root in himself. So endures for a while, but then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, the, the explanation of this heart is quite simple. Be rooted, or when persecution comes, you'll stumble. Yeah. Be rooted, and, and, and I mean, it's like anything else, right? If the tree is planted and the wind comes, the tree doesn't come up. If the root is planted and the winds come and it crashes, it's just going to be able to stay into that place. Now, this is what I've seen among Christians over the past 18 months, that they are not rooted. Yeah. And I see it with people that I've known from college, I see it with people that I know on Facebook. They are not rooted. Tribulation has come and they are stumbling. They were, they were not prepared for what was coming. Now, some of you have been around for a few years, some of you, and you will notice that this church has been preparing you for this season for the last 10 years. And some of you are like with your other Christian friends. You're like, and, and I've had pastors come up, and how's your church doing during COVID? I'm like, Bro, we on fire. Like, man, my soldiers are locked and loaded, man. They're ready to go. We've been prepared for this moment, man. This is the time when we, we got to stand tall, man. I've been telling you all about the coming persecution for years. Who remembers that sermon? What will you say to the girl at the door? People scoffed at me and said I was being heavy handed. Go look it up, man. I told you this day was coming. 2019, I, I, and, and I'm not prophetic, but God speaks to me every once in a while. 2019, he said, pay off the building, get ready, something's coming. People scoffed at it and said, the old man's lost it. Did I? I don't know. It's kind of weird looking back two years later. Oh, it's never going to happen that people would change the status of a Christian building based on something outside of the church. Really? Really? We were kind of past this idea to say that things like that couldn't have, all the things we said couldn't have happened or happening. But here's, here's what I do know is that I have not shunned from speaking to you the whole counsel of God. And I know that you are prepared. I know that you are rooted. I know that you are grounded. You've been taught to believe in God and his word. That's why this season to you is no surprise. This is why you're not faltering. This is why you're not worried or scared or concerned. You're just like walking through the fire like, yeah, man, I I heard it was going to be hot, but not this hot. This is awesome. (laughs) You're rooted. You're grounded. You've been taught. Matthew eleven six 6, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And you've walked out that scripture. I have done everything within my power to offend you every single week. <laughs> and every week you just keep coming back and be like, you know what? I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to apply the word of God to my life because I want to live with him. And honestly, I'm not intended to offend you. I just so deeply want you to know God's word so you can live a victorious life. Now, when you're walking through this, it's, it's annoying, <laughs> but it's not breaking you, man. Like it's, it's just not right. I mean, you're living out this scripture, second Corinthians four, nine, you're persecuted, but not forsaken. You're struck down, but not destroyed. And that only happens when you receive the word and get rooted. Then you can endure. Then you realize that like, man, it doesn't matter what happens around me because what I do is centered on God and his word. And so everybody else can do whatever they want to do, but I know where I am. So how how do you get rooted? How do you stay rooted? You have to stay in love. 
You've got to be in love, man. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded, there it is, rooted and grounded in love, have faith in Christ. Excuse me, uh, then you have faith in Christ, but you're grounded in love. And this means, let me me explain to you what love looks like. Love means you don't love anyone unless you love everyone. If you don't love everyone, you don't love anyone. Because then you're selective, you're a manipulating lover. But if we're going to be rooted and grounded in love, that means we love people that don't love us. That means we love the people that hate us. It means we just love people that we've just met or that we've just seen. We just operate in love. Like you're like, yeah, man, that's just where I come from. I come from a position of love. That's how I want to be. And then and you just love people. You love people that don't deserve it. You give them their time, your energy, resources, whatever. Because when you come from a position of love, do you know what? Watch this. You're less defensive. People that operate in love assume the best from people, not the worst. People that operate in love are less offensible. They're just like, well, I don't know what he was talking about today, but I'm sure it was for us, so it's fine. They're less paranoid. Like, oh, someone's got something against me. They're less worrisome. They don't worry about tomorrow. Unloving people are exploitive. They're untrusting. They hoard their resources. Secondly, we don't want to forget 2 Peter 1, 8 9. I love this scripture. Actually, I love all the scriptures. For these are the, uh, for, excuse me, for if these things are yours and, uh, and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from all of his old sins. So to stay rooted, you operate in love, but also you do not want to forget where you came from. Dude, you were saved. You were a sinner that needed a savior. You were lost. God plucked you out of the depths. He he placed you in the heavenly places, in the high place. He loved you and set you free. But somehow, I don't know why, but some people forget where they came from. All of a sudden, they look down their long spiritual nose at somebody else and say, oh, I know I'm here. No, man, don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget what God saved you from. It'll change the way in which you deal with other people. Don't forget that you were a sinner saved by grace. You stay rooted when you stay in the vine. The vine is Jesus, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if you want to be rooted, you have got to stay connected to Jesus through worship, through the word, through, through being around other Christians in fellowship by not getting defiled by the word, excuse me, by the world that you just got to stay connected to Jesus. And, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example uh, of my own failures. And, and my, many of you people don't understand this about me. Um, hold your breath. My at, like, if, if I wasn't saved, I would always listen to gangster rap. Man, I love it. I really do, man. I, I like. I, I'm. I'm like, you know. The, the other day, my my mom lives with us, and she's got this. <laughs> she's got a Toyota Highlander, right? And so we have our car, and I always plug in my phone for Spotify, and so it immediately starts the word. My mom's like got the old dials with the radios, whatever, right? And so I'm trying, like, I'm so tired of, I haven't listened to 105.3 in years because I love Spotify too much because I get to choose my music. And so my mom doesn't have any of that. I'm there with my phone. I'm like, oh, I got to find something. So then 105.3, you are beautiful, my sweet. That's been playing a song for 10 years, man. And I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, like, the dial ended up over to 93.3, man. One, two, three, and to the foe. You know, it's like old school lunch, right? I'm, I'm laid back in the Highlander with, with the uh, uh, handicap license plate at the light with the license plate cover that says, Joyce is the name, spoilings the game. But I'm laid back with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. I'm like, what? I'm like, bro, what are you doing, bro? Put it back to 105.3 and listen to that song a hundred more times because I want to honor God with my life, man. Do you guys still love me? I want to keep I want to keep His word, man. John 14.23, Jesus answered and said to him, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him." Here's the third heart. The third heart is the deceived heart. 
the deceived heart. Verse 22, now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world, uh, choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now, now this, this word is, this heart is very simple to understand as well. The seed goes into your heart, but your heart is not concerned with the things of God. It's concerned with the affairs of this world and the, and the accumulation of money, riches. And now I'm, 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 I'm just going to tell you straight up, man. I don't care whether you make 15 bucks an hour, or you make 150 bucks an hour, man. You can be in love with money. You can be in love with the deceitfulness of riches. You can be in love with wanting more than what you have. You can, you know, worship your 401k and check it three times a day and care about the stock. You can have it own you. You really can. And so Jesus uses this example and says, you know what? If, if God is not central to your life, the deceitfulness of what's going on around you and what you think you need to acquire is going to choke the word out in your life. You're, you're, you're not going to be fruitful. You're going to be divided. And, and I will tell you, and, and you probably know stories like this. There's a gentleman that I used to know and Dude, he was always jumping from job to job because he wanted to make more money. And he was always complaining about money and complaining about his life and uh, complaining about his wife. And he always just seemed to be concerned with everything except the things of God. And and, and this guy, man, I, I knew him for many years. And all these years, he talked a really good talk, man. You'd, I mean, he, if you didn't know any better, you would think that he was in love with Jesus, but he never fully submitted to the word. He was always concerned with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And so, you know, what happened? He ended up getting divorced. His life became utterly and completely destroyed. He's still broke. He's still angry. He's still unhealthy. He's still not submitted to God's word because his heart's desire was never the things of God. It was just what God could give him. He, he wanted business connections and social connections. And as soon as something else came along, gonzo. Like, that's what I want. I want Because it was never about the things of God. See, what happens is when you're about the things of God, all these other details and things, they just don't matter. Because you're just like, dude, I'm about God. I'm about his word. That's what matters. He became the, the story of Psalm 52, 7. Here's the man who did not make God his strength but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. First Timothy chapter six says, those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evil. For some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, let me make it very clear, man. Money is not the problem. The problem is you. Do you have money or does money have you? Because again, I don't care whether you, you, you cannot have a job and still be pulled away by the deceitfulness of riches. And you can be worth millions of dollars and not have it own you. You really can. And money's great, man. Money's a tool. I'm going to use some money today to buy some lunch. I'm going to pay for some electricity for my house. I'm going to let my car run. You know, I'm, I, money's a tool. That's all it is. But you can get to a point where you're just disobedient in your heart and you actually love your money too much and it owns you. I I praise God for people that can do big things with money. That's awesome. But you still don't want that money to have you. Psalm 62, 10, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And, And if you haven't learned anything through this season, it's that you cannot trust in your job. You can't trust in the earning potential of what you think that you have. We're all up. Well, well not me, praise God. But we're, everybody's up for consideration in this season. And so that, praise God for that. You can say, you know what? I'm going to trust in God as my provider, not anybody. But you know, it's funny indirectly because you guys get paid by those people. And then indirectly that becomes my paycheck. I've got to learn to trust God as well. So even if you're losing your jobs, I still have to be like, no, God, you're my provider, not these people that tithe to the church. It all works together, man. Luke 12, 15, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetedness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Newsflash, no one cares what you own. Nobody's impressed. Nobody, man. Ecclesiastes, my favorite book, verse five, verse 10, 11. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver or he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? I love Proverbs eleven twenty eight. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. 
I'll tell you, man, there are people that I know that make a good amount of money and God gives them that because they can be trusted. And I see some people that just can't seem to turn two nickels into a dime because they do not trust God, man. And and God's going to give you what he can trust you with, man. Just don't love that stuff. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to get you to heaven. Here's, here's the fourth one. And here's the, oh, here's the end. The end one's really short. It'll be real quick. The fourth heart is the grounded heart. Verse 23, and this is the one we all want to be. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Isn't it interesting that Jesus even talks about inequality of outcomes? Everybody is not intended to have the same outcome. Some are 30, some are 60, some are 100. The economy of Jesus is not everybody getting the same outcome. Some are going to be 30, some are going to be 60, some are going to be 100. That's a different sermon. We want to be that good ground. That's where we want to be. We want to understand it. We want to bear fruit and we want to produce with it. Friends, God's word will not return void, but we want our hearts to be prepared with it. We want our hearts to be that, that, that good soil, that soil that's been worked over, that's got good nutrients in it, that's, that's ready to receive that word. And that, but how do we do that? By not having a wayward heart. Got to keep your heart soft by not having a rootless heart. We have to be grounded by not having a deceived heart. We've got to not care about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And that good heart positions itself in good soil to receive the word in their heart and then watch God work. And so how do we do that real quickly? You've got to be in the right place. You're doing it this morning. I'm proud of you. This is where you want to be. This is where God's word goes forth is in the house of the Lord. So when you're here on Sundays or Wednesdays, and we've got years of sermons that you can listen to online, just continually put yourself in a position to say, man, I want my heart to be good. I want God's word to go forth. So I'm going to put myself in a position to receive God's word. That's why I hate missing church. That's why even when I'm out of town or on vacation, we find a church to go to because I want God's word to get inside of my heart. I want to be good ground. You've got to receive the spirit. If you don't have the spirit of God dwelling inside of you, cry out to God and say, Lord, give me your, give me the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want you inside. Because when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, it tills your heart. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no law. So if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and your heart is tilled that way, you're able to receive that which God is trying to do in your heart. And then you've got to get planted. Get planted. Now let me show you what it says in Psalm 92. This is really good. This is our second to last scripture. And then burrito time. All right. I really should get paid because it's like suggestive. I'm like, burrito. You guys are like, that sounds good today. And people are like, why didn't we think about burritos? All right. Psalm 92, and I know that they're going to put it up there, but I want to, I want to read it because I think it's so powerful. Psalm 92, verses 13 through 15. Ah, let's start in 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Friend, you have got to be grounded in the house of the Lord. Now, if you, if you don't like me and you don't like this church and you don't like the way that we do things here, okay, just go find somewhere to be planted. Go find somewhere that you're like, man, this is my church. This is my pastor. These are my people. Be planted. Don't, don't, don't play this. I jump from churches every 12 to 72 months because it finally gets to a point where I have to grow or it finally gets to a point where I have to build relationships. Part of the joy of being in a long-term relationship with people is there's history. There's accountability. You're able to remind me of what God did for me. You're able to walk through me, walk through with me as I'm, as I'm walking through life. That, that, that's just the joy of it. And so when you have those type of relationships and the ongoing word that goes into you, you just stay planted and then God can do something and then you flourish. And then you're doers of the word, James 1, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. A grounded heart that's humble with the reality of the sin that needs to come out and need for a savior makes God the priority. Would you do this? Would you close your eyes as we close? I don't want to miss this moment. 
As we're finishing this sermon, if you did not understand what I was talking about, I want you to give your life to Jesus right now. It's part of the reason you didn't understand it is because you haven't given your life to Jesus. So if you checked out this whole entire time, you're like, dude, I don't know what that dude was talking about, man. It's because your heart is hard, man. Leave your life of sin and come towards Jesus. Ask him to renew you and he will. And if you've never made that decision, you've never said, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. You want to do it for the first time, just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that? I see that hand. Is there anybody else? like, you can walk up to the front and someone will pray with you. This will be a moment for the rest of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus still saves. already given your life to Jesus at some point in your life and you just sit here and be like, Pastor, man, oh, I've been far. I've been gone. I'm coming back to Jesus though. Like I'm living that Jesus life. I want to I want to come back into relationship with Jesus. If you if you need to make that decision today, we want to pray with you as well. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision today? Rededicate your life to Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're a God that tills the soil of our heart. God, we thank you that we can receive your word, Lord. God, myself included, Lord, I know that there's parts of my heart that are wayward and and rootless. I know there's parts of my heart that are deceitful, Lord. And so would you just clean out those parts of my heart and let my heart be good soil. Let it be good soil so that I can live a life that's pleasing to you. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch.